and welcome to this Local Beat Online mini-exclusive. I'm your host, Adam Kincaid. We bring you the finest in North Carolina music and Triangle's music scene right here on 88.1 WKNC. Joining me in studio today is York of Carborough Band, the Huguenots. They're releasing a brand new self-titled LP coming out April 8th. The show will be at the local 506 with the Tomahawks. Tickets are $8 and the show is at 8.30. York, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I would like to know a little bit more about the Huguenots. Can you give me a sort of a brief history of, of the band? Sure. Basically, the one guitarist, William, and I met when we were in middle school, and I knew him from there. And uh, we'd played music together in high school, a limited amount, had like a jam cover band, which, I mean, the idea of people from where we were having a jam cover band is by jam, I mean the jam, the British band, punk band, the jam, I should say. Uh, Wait, is, you had a the jam cover band? A the jam cover band. Uh, is in Paul Weller and yeah. Bruce Foxton, I think is his name. That, that might be the only the jam cover band ever. Well, right? no, it, I mean, there's certainly not that many in the states. I think there is. I think there is at least like one official the oh, jam okay. cover band, um, but not that I'm all that familiar with. But yeah, I, you know, there are there always are going to be you know, particularly in the south, there's always going to be like that those small little scenes where people will take after a band like that, you know, for no reason. But we were all by ourselves, and we played very infrequently. Um, so I met William through that, and then we kind of like grew up together in that way, and got turned on to music in a very serious way. And uh, I met Sam when I was then in college. We were going to uh, University of North Carolina, Asheville, in Asheville. And things kind of started out in a rocky way between the two of us. Uh, <laughs> he was just in my room one night, and I wasn't expecting to have a roommate, and I thought he was stealing stuff from me, so I confronted him. But In a things, physical way? or Kind of, yeah. I yeah. did get up into his face, which, I mean, he's a little taller than I am and was then and still is now. And... Uh, yeah, I did kind of get up into his face and kind of confront him just because I didn't expect anybody was going to be moving into my room. But that's that's UNC Asheville. I'm sorry, guys. It's just how, <laughs> you how had no idea that someone was coming. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, maybe that's a lie. I mean, there were these brief little periods. There were like three different time slots at the very beginning of the year where you could expect that if you didn't have a roommate that maybe you might get one. So I guess I had some idea, but I had no idea that someone's actually going to move into my room until I walked in and Sam was moving my things around. Um, so yeah, I confronted him and then we had, we had some sort of like joke musical projects. We had a grindcore, uh, musical project for a little while, which I'm very proud of and think that if we market it correctly, we could probably make some money off of that. And, uh, you know, everybody has, every white boy has to have a rap project. So we had a, we had a, a tasteful one. Well, that's a lie. Yeah. What, what sort of things did the Huguenots rap about? Oh, well, they're not. Uh, even internet radio appropriate, unfortunately. <laughs> no, we're we're all kind of twisted inside, but you know I think that's fine. You have to kind of like you know let that sort of stuff flow. But Sam had a natural kind of skill at just messing s- stuff around on on GarageBand and playing around with it. And you know he came up with some pretty creative beats and stuff like that. So you know if if uh, if this doesn't work out for him, he could always do that on the side. But yeah, so just doing that, and so Sam and I played together in Asheville with our friend Fast Eddie and this other guy who drummed with Yo Mama's. Big Fat Booty Band. Your mom was Big Fat Booty Band. Yeah, so he was a little intense for us, as you can imagine. But yeah, so we just played there very, very briefly, and then we left there, and then Sam and I transferred to uh, UNC together, and William was going to UNC, so we thought, now's the time. Mm -hmm. And then we met our drummer, Matt, because William was working at his vintage clothing store ragtime, 
And basically, we just kind of started playing together. And, you know, I guess originally we had a kind of particular sound in mind. Yeah, so we've kind of progressed from there.
what sound exactly did you have in mind? You said that you had a, a specific type of sound that you were going for. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that all of us could could agree on was kind of this poppy sound, you know. I mean, short, concise songs, things that had good hooks. Sam and I in particular, though, wanted things to come out in the songs that were a little unusual, you know. So we, we weren't going to do a 12-bar blues or that kind of crap. We wanted to make sure that if we had this somewhat straightforward kind of arrangement, you know, like a kind of early Beatlesy arrangement, that there was like a middle eight, there was a bridge of some sort that really threw it off, you know, had some jazz chords or something to it. Because we liked, we liked you know, kind of the Mercy Beat stuff, and all of us loved the Beatles, but we kind of liked a little bit more modern-sounding stuff too, you know, kind of modern pop records that, that pulled from that vein. And, of course, by pop, I mean not the slippery slope of, you know, the crap that people listen to, you right. know, in, in mass. Although, you know, there are a few singles every every year that, you know, big people put out that, you know, I shouldn't like, but I do, just because they have good producers. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so we just had the idea of kind of short pop music with some kind of weird stuff thrown in, good hooks, interesting melodies, interesting things to listen to, but not trying to reinvent how people write songs necessarily, just trying to make the songs that we wrote very good, and I think we've we've definitely come a long way in that process. Your music is very poppy, York, and I do see some Beatles influence. Sure, yeah. When I, mean, I listen to it, there there are little things that we. I mean, I, I I fancy myself as as a as an expert. There's only just so much that you can read and listen to very intently before you just kind of start to pick up on it. I mean, I think that's a thing. I think you know, if if you're looking to you know go to the moon, you should probably look you know, read a lot about NASA. And if you're going to write pop music or you're going to write music that is going to stick to some sort of, you know, verse and intro and, you know, pre-chorus and chorus and bridge, if you're going to stick to something that has those sorts of movements in it, then, I mean, you're not going to try to listen to anybody but the best. And so far as I'm concerned, the Beatles did it better than everybody else. The Beatles did produce these very poppy, very catchy albums. And then they, they got bored with it and they started experimenting. The Huguenots, you guys produce some very poppy, very catchy music. Sure. Do you ever get bored with it? Do you ever well, want to experiment and do some crazy things? Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, well, you know, I think that's the thing about the new record, particularly that, you know, kind of over over top of our original demos and that's something about our live performance over top of um, the live performance that we used to have that I think in general our sound has gotten heavier. It's gotten spikier. It's gotten a lot more kind of modern. I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't think that any of us are going to stop liking pop music written smartly. I mean, that's the thing that I like about music is not just pop music, okay, but smart pop music. And typically the bands that I like are smart. It just happened to be like well-educated or I don't know, maybe they just got lucky and just decided that or just found general pop music boring, but decided that, you know, and creative pop music could sustain their their interest. So, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, the, there's something about the pop format, but then this new record, you know, just has a lot of kind of heavier sounds some like heavier guitar sounds and kind of heavier drum sounds. And we were kind of tried to be a bit more contemporary with our use of, you know, a lot of reverb on drums and stuff like that, you know, or, you know, maybe other people think that that's a normal amount. But I, I just feel like we tried to kind of step away from our traditional arrangement of of how we would you know record a demo for example and add in weird stuff like let's have some like crazy noise stuff that goes on or let's add a piano or let's add 
I don't know, a ton of percussion in a bunch of different ways. Or what can we do with vocals? How can we make those more interesting? Um, and a lot, a lot. I feel like we put a, paid a lot of attention to dynamics. So I, I feel like music that most people find appealing has this kind of dynamic tension to it. Early stuff was just like, let's get the drums, let's get the vocals, let's get the, the guitars and the bass. And let's start here and end here. But with this, we were kind of, I felt like we got more into the nuance of of how we wanted our records to sound. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes you know, certain things cut out and allow that kind of breathing space. And I, I find that that kind of breathing space is just as appealing as anything else. All of these thoughts inside of my head One at a time I'm hearing the words that you barely said Keep them inside WKNC has been playing the Huguenots' old demos. I mean, we're talking about demos from probably about three years ago. Yeah, demos on like GarageBand that have yeah. just like barely been mixed, but have no sort of mastering or you know, without any expertise right. of any kind. But yeah. of, of course, we all enjoy them, and our listeners do as well. Well, that's good. So when people pick up this new Huguenots album, are they going to like it if they like the old stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think they're going to like it. I mean, because at the end of the day, we haven't. 
we haven't really tried to drastically change our songs. I mean, they're still going to be upbeat and they're still going to be engaging. They're just going to have some extra stuff that you haven't heard or maybe stuff that when we originally did the songs, like Sam and I kind of write independently and we kind of do our own demos, stuff that we haven't done before since we did our kind of original demos, like, you know, five years ago or however long it's been. So just trying to add in some kind of new things here and there that will surprise you, I hope. Like the intro to the record, for example, I mean, has this big kind of like backwards guitar wash, thanks to our friend Alex Smiolo, who spent a lot of time on it. And, uh, you know, I feel like those sorts of little touches, and we've got this also in the first song, we've got this big kind of reverbed out chorus that kind of comes in for the bridge, um, which is just me, recorded a bunch of times. But I feel like the thing that I like about music is that kind of like I said, when you take a traditional pop format and then you kind of try to do things that surprise the listener. And I feel like with this record, we've just taken the format of our songs, how they originally were, and tried to change them up in little ways or add in new sounds or kind of a new way of listening to this particular part. And I think in that way, um, there'll be a lot more kind of interesting and sustaining to listen to about, about the record than there was before. And just in general, just based on how we recorded it and stuff like that, it's going to have a little bit more kind of aggression to it. So I, I think, you know, the girls will still like the songs that the girls probably liked before, and the dudes will probably definitely like the songs that the dudes liked before. Whatever those would be, I have no idea. But I think, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised and challenged, but surprised, and I think they'll enjoy it. You're listening to The Local Beat. This is an online mini-exclusive talking with York of the Huguenots. They're releasing a brand new album, self-titled, coming out April 8th. The release shows at the local 506, and they're playing alongside the top.
York, you said you spent quite a while working on this record here, and it has been quite a while since the Huguenots have been together. I would imagine that a lot of time spent was actual recording and doing some learning some new techniques. It was. So yeah, we recorded we recorded the record at our house. Um, we got our house because it has this massive converted garage into a room space and uh, all of our stuff set up there. So we had the idea that we would we would do a proper job on a record this time <clears throat> and really tried to set out to record the drums properly. So as opposed to just sticking one mic in the air and just hoping for the best, you know, trying to like, you know, how should we actually do this? And, um, you know, there's plenty of stuff that we even know now that we didn't know a year and a half ago when we started recording it. But, you know, that's how it goes. And we wanted we wanted to improve upon our, you know, existing process. We wanted to make sure that that we spent a lot of time to make sure that everything sounded good. We wanted to spend a lot of time to make sure that the takes that we took away from each session were worth keeping. And we made sure that in general that we did just a better job at trying to capture all of the sound that a particular instrument would have. And we had a lot of help from our guru, our musical guru, uh, Alex Mayolo. And uh, he just gave us a ton of microphones and amps and guitars and stuff and just kind of said, don't break it. And we didn't, I don't think. I don't think we broke anything. And uh, just try to, you know, get the best sound that we could. And, you know, it, that kind of stuff is tough. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot kind of more that goes into, you know, kind of even playing a part. You know, so it's it's so weird the kind of dynamic of recording is so much different from playing live, right? I mean, live you just you've got the drums and you got the bass and then you just go with it, you know, and hopefully it just doesn't completely, you know, careen out of control, you know, hopefully things stay together. But if they go bad, then whatever, you know, hopefully everybody's, you know, too drunk up to, um, to remember it either way or, you know, it's just like, oh, it was great. Okay, fantastic. But definitely with the live stuff, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, man, was a hi-hat like a quarter of a beat off? You know, I mean, this kind of stuff just will eat you away. I, I think we were never quite prepared for that amount of exacting kind of, test of every single part and every single performance and with the drums, how every single thing sounds. Um, we were never like that thorough about that sort of stuff. And in a lot of ways, we weren't really all that good at listening to it quite yet, you know, like really listening for minute aspects of every performance. So we kind of started out with that and it took a long time. We had a few detours along the way. One, our guitarist William went to Spain for I think it was, what, 56 days in the summer, which, I mean, it's not impossible to do a lot of stuff since Sam and I wrote wrote pretty much all of these songs and have played, you know, plenty of different performances on each of them. But it was tough not to have that person there to help kind of finish stuff. And then right as that was happening, our drummer, Matt, I was walking one of his dogs and got a bit by a dog, got bit right in his right hand by a dog. Oh, wow. His right hand. So he was, he was out of commission. I mean, it just, it, it tore into his hand just really, really bad. And he was he was out of commission as a drummer for about two and a half months, or maybe even three, you know, for a long time. So without drums, we couldn't really get a lot of the songs started. So we had some pretty big setbacks that kind of kept us from kind of doing it. And, you know, I mean, I guess the other thing is if it's in your house, then, oh, well, we can record it whenever. And if, oh, I can't record it on Friday, well, then we'll just, eh, we'll do it next week. And then next week comes, you know. So it was definitely a matter of trying to, like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it right now and kind of sit down and and really kind of make it work. And we just kind of, we started out, I think you just use a garage band like we always had. And we eventually, I guess right at the very end, upgraded to, to Logic. You know, I mean, garage band is good at doing a lot of stuff, but let me tell you that when you get to around track 26 or maybe 28, 
um, GarageBand can't quite handle that amount of, of information. So just for you kids out there, make it under 24 or, or you'll regret it because you start losing stuff and stuff starts sliding around. And honestly, the, the latter half of the process has been really complicated just because trying to convert stuff from GarageBand to Logic and then to Pro Tools because Mitch Easter mixed it. And Pro Tools has definitely been a little nightmare, but we are eventually able to find everything or we recorded if we had to, which was not fun. But, you know, either way, GarageBand comes free on, you know, whatever Apple product you own. So we had that kind of at our disposal. Um, but the, the I'd say like the microphones and stuff like that and just really spending time to kind of hone the sounds that we were getting out of everything worked out, you know. So this is definitely sort of a DIY project. Sure. But in most DIY projects, they're not so exact. They're not, they're not so worried about being so perfect. You guys really took the time to make sure that everything was exactly how you wanted it. Well, you know, it's like our exacting DIY is, you know, a, a typical recording scenarios, like bad day. You know, I guess like at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we can only do so much with how many, we only had like four inputs for the drums, you know, for example. I mean, you can get good drum sounds with only four inputs, but, you know, and the Beatles could do it with two inputs, right? Two microphones, but each of those microphones were worth like $20,000, exactly, you know, yeah. right? And they were recorded in this massive room by Sir George Martin. I mean, there's a reason if you're a producer and you get, have that title, Sir, that must mean that you're pretty good. So uh, none of us are, you know, have any of those other qualities. So, I mean, with four inputs, I mean, we did the best that we could. And we only had, so, I mean, we had decent microphones, but we didn't have like anything that was like, you know, right home about kind of good. So, I mean, it was exacting as in about as exacting as we kind of could be. And we, we definitely did learn a lot as we kind of went along, sometimes by trial and error, more times than not, just by somebody coming over and being like, ah, oh, I guess you shouldn't do it that way, you know? So, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely like wanted to make a good sounding record. I know that Sam kind of likes lo-fi kind of stuff. And uh, there's a certain kind of a bit of that aesthetic that I like a lot too, but we wanted it to be kind of high fives and just kind of sound like big and sound, you know, modern in the most kind of healthy sense, you know, just have everything sound really rich and full. It's still quite, it didn't really get there until Mitch got his hands on it and started just, you know, kind of, you know, doing what Mitch does, which is make, you know, things awesome. And it didn't take long for him to kind of, you know, make things awesome. I think we gave him one track just to see how, you know, he was going to be able to do with it. He gave us back something three hours later that surpassed anything that we had been able to do with our own mixing of it. Um, so in three hours, he's yeah. able to he was able to, to to best our like you know ten hour trying you know just kind of just tossing well, stuff around. He Mitch was able Easter to make for it. you there. So that, sure. that's Mitch and and <laughs> and you know really just kind of once we did have the tracks and once we finally were able to get them with Mitch and all of our technical situations between the files and the hardware and the software and all that stuff was worked out when we finally did get there. I got to spend a weekend just kind of at the Fidelatorium, just with him, kind of, you know, just doing stuff, mixing and really listening to the songs. And I mean, you know, it was it was an incredibly rewarding experience, you know, just kind of to watch him at work, you know, because he does, you know, some things that I'm sure that he doesn't think are all that crazy. But for the rest of us, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, that's, oh, I would never have thought to kind of, you know, just do that. And, you know, he just has a lot of equipment that, that he knows how to harness. And so when you kind of get in there and you say, like, you know, can we make, I remember I asked him, can we make this particular vocal part seem 
seemed ad-libbed, seemed not all that well-considered. I mean, what kind of a thing is that to ask the producer? Can I make this sound kind of like I didn't really mean to do it? And he could, you know, he could kind of think through that and, and make something that sounded kind of not well thought through, which is a really kind of bizarre thing to ask for somebody to do. But, you know, he, he, he was very patient with the fact that, I mean, we didn't have the best kind of setup as far as like our drum sound and stuff like that. And was really able to kind of work miracles and, and take these separate tracks, right? Which, I mean, we all of our previous demos are just kind of like, they're, they're WAV files in GarageBand, and they're roughly mixed, I guess. But they never quite sound like a cohesive thing. You know, It never sounds like, this is a song. It sounds like, well, this is a bunch of tracks that you know play together, right? Whereas Mitch was able to take all of our individual tracks, our drums and our guitars and our voices and all that sort of stuff, and really combine them, mesh them into a way where it felt like for the first time we were getting a proper sound out of it. Like, oh, it sounds good, you know. The Huguenots are releasing their debut self-titled album, April 8th. York, thank you so much for coming in uh, this evening and, and chatting with me about the Huguenots. I uh, look forward to the show and look forward to playing the album on the air. Yeah, we do as well. We do as well. But you think that's a 